Welcome to Ledgers and Law, Lessons from the Trenches, where we bring experienced business and legal leaders together to discuss current topics at the intersection of tax, law, and business. And now, please welcome your hosts, Kevin McCoy of Carlton Fields and Chris Rocks of Cherry Beckert. Hello, I'm Kevin McCoy, a shareholder and litigator at the law firm Carlton Fields. And I'm Chris Rucks, an audit partner and the healthcare and life science industry practice leader at the accounting advisory firm Cherry Beckert. Our topic today is HR and employment considerations before, during, and after a pandemic. Specifically, we're going to talk about the things that are on folks' mind, uh, employers in particular, as their workforce is returning to the office and some of their workforce is staying at home or engaging in flexible schedules and what considerations need to go into. Uh, the best practices uh, for dealing with those two contingents. Our guest is my law partner, Ray Van. Ray is a shareholder in Carlton Fields' Labor and Employment Practice Group. She is also vice president of Core Triangle, a wholly owned subsidiary of Carlton Fields that provides HR risk management consulting for private and public companies. Welcome, Ray. Thanks, Kevin. I'm happy to be here. So, Ray, thanks for joining us. Um, Really excited to, to hear your perspective on a lot of these issues, which I think are really pertinent um, to, to the employers out there. Um, so just to, to kind of kick it off, I guess my first you know, uh, question would be in terms of what are the, your perspective on the employer's obligations in terms of safety of employees in the event that... Um, you know, uh, one of the employees does actually test positive for COVID when the, when we're all going back to work. Uh, thanks, Chris, for that question. I will just say at the outset before uh, answering that question that it's really important for employers to be mindful of the fact, employers and employees, to be mindful of the fact that the world's just not the same as it was <clears throat> when we left the workplace uh, back in March. There obviously have been um, many things to have affected us and uh, both at work and at home and businesses really um, ought to take a step back to make sure that their company culture has not been negatively impacted or will be negatively impacted in terms of how they uh, ramp back up. Think about culture and brand reputation in addition to the top of mind priority uh, of keeping, as you said, employees uh, as well as clients and customers safe. So in terms of uh, an employee who returns to work who um, is sick, uh, an employer should have at this point put into place uh, strict protocols with respect to um, health and safety, right? And that uh, ideally would have happened um, and been spearheaded by a multidisciplinary team, uh, including occupational health folks, HR, compliance, legal, and so forth. So at this point, now that employees are coming back, the question is how those uh, health and safety policies and procedures are being implemented. One of the first things that an employer will have done, hopefully, as part of its health and safety procedures, COVID-related, is to put into place um, some type of check or scan or procedure to ensure that they're not uh, letting into the workplace 
any workers who have symptoms or who report having uh, possibly been exposed. Um, that process, if it's applied properly, will immediately flag anybody who is sick or has symptoms and that person should be sent home. There is categorically until, unless and until he or she can return to the workplace with um, documentation that um, the individual's no longer infected. Ray, I have a follow-up on that. So you talk about the policies and procedures. How important is it for employers as they're developing these procedures that hopefully they already have in place to be documenting what they are doing along the way and documenting the employee buy-in? You know, I hate to sound lawyerly, but to use the frames, you know, papering the file in terms of the employees signing off and acknowledging procedures. Uh, and acknowledging that they'll abide by procedures. How does that play into this entire dynamic for employers to be protecting themselves? Yeah, that's that's very important, uh, both from a risk mitigation perspective, but also from an employee relations perspective, right? Because employees are going to want to make sure that uh, their employers are doing everything within their power and authority to keep everyone safe and protected, right? So part and parcel of that uh, is making sure that um, employees understand what the policies are and agree to abide by those rules. Now, um, there is an opportunity going back to work post-COVID for employers to take a look at their existing policies and make sure that they're revised appropriately to address the new health and safety protocols, the new safe distancing measures, and everything else that's been put into place with respect to COVID, but also uh, have been revised and modified to address any new federal, state, or local requirements that have uh, been imposed uh, in response to COVID. That all um, adds up to a perfect opportunity to redistribute the policies and require employees to acknowledge that they have um, read and understand uh, what's expected of them. So it sounds like there's two things that come out of that. There's the good in terms of a written policy from the employer perspective, because they they are actively thinking about this, but the policy can actually be a tool to communicate with employees and let employees know that there's been thoughtful decisions made about their safety as part of the buy-in process, if I'm hearing you right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's really important not to overestimate the importance or overstate, I should say, the importance of communications. And these communications should take different forms, right? In addition to the written policies, there ought to be a process in place whereby managers and supervisors have an opportunity to verbally reinforce the rules and the expectations, both in formal and in informal meetings, and also incorporate a discussion about these policies into dedicated or or standing training programs, right? These are new procedures. These are new expectations, new rights that employees and employers are all going to have to become accustomed to as they're returning to work. So it's really important to have a multifaceted uh, communication strategies uh, strategy out the gate. So, Ray, um, as a follow-up uh, to that, 
specifically, I mean, I'm, we're in the professional services or my firm, we're professional services. We have clients, we go onto client sites. What would you recommend in terms of uh, protocols to, to communicate to the employee, our employees about the, the safety at our client sites if, if they do need to go there? That, that's a, frankly, it's a concern of mine personally. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's a really interesting uh, issue that we're going to have to see how it plays out. But, you know, a best practice is to make sure that there's some understanding before any employee uh, approaches another uh, work site with that employer or that vendor or customer. Um, that they are following all of the rules, you know, federal, state, and local health and safety authorities have issued guidelines and, you know, have requirements in place with respect to what employers are supposed to do uh, to maintain the health and safety of their workforces. So it is incumbent upon the employers to make sure that they are on the same page with respect to what is expected of them and then communicate that to the employees as well. If an employee shows up at a vendor or a customer site and is not asked to um, undergo a screening, as an example, that might be a red flag to that employee, that that employee should feel free to communicate back to his or her primary employer, which then can follow up directly. It sounds like, Ray, the old adage the the old adage of uh, you're only as strong as your weakest link applies in that scenario where you can go through all of this process for your own shop and for your own four walls, but then the employer goes out into the world to do the business of the company. And if others aren't adhering to that, it puts the organization at risk nonetheless. Absolutely. And that's part of the reason why uh, there's been some talk uh among lawmakers and and some um, business groups about, you know, whether there should be some type of uh, immunity protection, right? Protection of businesses against uh, COVID infection claims, right? It's, there is no safe, fail safe means of confirming whether or not an individual was exposed or became infected by someone in any particular workplace or at church, or at a grocery store, or a restaurant, or, or whatever have you. So under those circumstances, the idea of protecting employers from liability for COVID ex- exposure um, and claims that stem from that makes sense. But as I think we've said throughout uh, this discussion, employers still are responsible uh, for complying with those health and safety mandates and using reasonable care to protect workers, customers, vendors, or clients. But I I guess my point is that you're correct. There's nothing that can be done to 100% guarantee the health and safety of employees with respect to potential exposure to COVID. We just, we haven't gotten there yet as a society. We're not at a place where we're able to trace and track uh, infection and potential exposure to that degree. And Ray, gosh, I, I, I wish I wish we uh, we were at that that place. It would be a, a much much more happier um, America, I would, I would think. 
Chris, you, you run a, you run an office where, you know, you have highly trained professionals who are out doing business for clients. I imagine you're still dealing with some folks who are uh, working from home or looking at flexible schedules. What are some of the issues as, as an employer that are on your mind as folks are looking at these alternative arrangements in the current COVID, post-COVID time period? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, one of the biggest uh, things that comes to mind, um, let me backtrack, I'm, I apologize. Um, the, the majority of our workforce is still working from home. Um, and one of the biggest things that comes to mind to me about the, kind of the risk there is with uh, information security. Um, you know, we deal with a lot of very sensitive uh, data, um, including, uh, you know, medical data, whether that relates to, to HIPAA or, or whatnot. Um, and having employees um, at home, uh, not within the, the, you know, our four walls where we know that data is protected, it does give me um, a little bit of pause um, there, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think, um, and Kevin, you can disagree, um, if you want, but I think that's the, going to be the, I hate the term, but the new normal, um, is that there's going to be a significant amount of our workforce nationwide, um, uh, in, in, especially in the professional services, uh, arena that's going to be working from home. So, uh, that's a concern of mine is that data security. Is that something that uh, employers need to be looking at when we talk about these policies, not only for the return of workers, but those who are going to be staying at home and building these policies out? Is that is that an element that employers should be looking at or have, frankly have already looked at in maybe the uh, last uh, five months since the world kind of went underground? No question about it, uh, Kevin and Chris, you're absolutely right that this time and uh, with seemingly the entire world transitioning, at least at some point in time, to a remote workforce, uh, the risk of cyber attacks and cyber incidents and cyber crime, frankly, have increased exponentially for sure. And uh, Kevin, to your point, one of the reasons why it will have been important for businesses to have established a multidisciplinary COVID response uh, or action team is to have someone from IT involved in the process of building out or refining uh, their uh, IT cybersecurity policies and procedures to address these very things. You know, there are a number of best practices that employers will want to be thinking about in this space, again, not only to uh, minimize risk of inadvertent or unintentional disclosure of confidential information, but also to minimize the risk of affirmative attacks and cyber crimes, right? So, and your IT folks will know exactly or should know exactly what needs to happen here. You gotta make sure that uh, the system is up to date, that all of the necessary patches have been applied to the remote 
uh, work system that you have in place uh, and that activity, suspicious and otherwise, is reasonably monitored and can be addressed immediately. Here again, so important to constantly communicate with your employees. Remind them regularly to be on the lookout for malware, phishing scams, all of the more sophisticated strategies that cyber criminals are pursuing, especially in this remote workforce or workplace, um, to try to get at confidential and um, information and and company trade secrets um, through email or through uh, social media and things like that. Also important uh, to make sure that your supervisors and managers also know what to look for, right? Uh, So really it comes down again to planning uh, and executing those plans and communicating those plans and strategies and expectations to your workforce. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. Ray, what, what as somebody who, who does HR, ADA, EEO types of issues and consults on that on a daily basis, what do you see as the biggest sea change in terms of an HR or uh, employment relations uh, aspect of, of the pandemic? I mean, if there was, if you had to put your finger on one thing that you say, this has changed forever, what would you say that is that employers need to be giving a close look at? That's a great question. So aside from workplace flexibilities, which is a big one, just in terms of the availability of work from home and flexible work schedules and things from that. I think there are some uh, important EEO considerations for employers to be mindful of, especially with respect to individuals with disabilities. So the Americans with Disabilities Act is the chief federal law that uh, prohibits discrimination on the basis of disability. But under the ADA, in addition to prohibiting discrimination, employers also have an affirmative obligation to provide reasonable accommodations to um, individuals with disabilities who need them in order to, uh, to perform their jobs um, effectively. So this question of reasonable accommodations is an important one. There are going to be individuals with disabilities who may face significant added health risk as a result of potential exposure to COVID and who may, as a result of that, um, seek workplace accommodations uh, to minimize that risk, right? Employers have to understand their obligations with respect to considering reasonable accommodations and then also understand what they are or aren't required to do in response to a request for an accommodation. Aside from ADA issues and reasonable accommodations issues are just general discrimination issues. Uh, There were some cases and some um, issues that arose early on into the pandemic with respect to the origins of the pandemic and people attacking certain ethnic groups based on some perception that their 
ethnic group or their country of origin uh, is or was to blame. So that's another thing that employers have to sort of think about and be mindful of as people come back into the workplace. Remember, a lot of folks, many workplaces have been remote and employees have not had an opportunity to engage together uh, physically. So to the extent that there may be coarsened social discourse happening at work around these issues, it's important to be mindful of those and to prepare for them. And then, you know, finally, and this goes back to flexible work and things like that, to the extent that schools haven't reopened or have gone to, you know, all virtual learning for the upcoming school year or daycares aren't, daycare centers aren't open and available. There is a possibility that those caregiving responsibilities will fall more harshly on certain groups, women, for instance. And so employers need to be mindful that they recognize in their policies that possibility and ensure that the application of those policies are not having a disproportionately negative impact on women or any one particular group from an EEO perspective. You know, that's an excellent point, uh, Ray, and, and one that I think maybe gets lost if you, don't, if you don't keep it front of mind, because it's so easy to move forward and think everything's fine just because it's, this is working for you. But your labor force, uh, especially as you explained it, you know, if there are states or counties or areas where your labor force can't get back in and that disproportionately impacts, for example, uh, women in your office, and now they're not having accommodations to uh, facilitate their participation, I, I could see how it, it, not that it's deliberate necessarily, but because there's just not consciousness around it, that it can happen uh, even when it's not deliberate. So I think that's an excellent point and one that everybody uh, needs to keep front of mind. We're, we're almost out of time today, but I think we have uh, time for one last question. Chris, is there anything else that is front of mind for you um, on these topics? Yeah, on these topics, I, th I think uh, one thing that uh, uh Ray, I'd like to just get your thoughts on uh, briefly is it seems like there's a very common theme here. It, it, it's education and training um, uh, of, of uh, our, our people, uh, if you will, um, to, to do the right thing um, and act in the right way and, and, and manner. Um, any thoughts there on what's a good protocol to you know, hopefully people have started to, to think through this, but, but really how to get this out, you know, kind of quickly and effectively. Yes, I think that, uh, as we said at the outset, having written policies uh, available and in place is helpful. Now, whether every employee reads every page of the revised policy manual that you send out, <laughs> you know, that's questionable, right? But highlighting specific policy statements or areas that 
uh, folks need to focus on is important and communicating that in a personal way, right? Via email, their manager or supervisor, or even, you know, the the business line president or, you know, an executive sending out an email saying, hey, this is important to us because you're important to us. This is not about us avoiding our responsibilities, quite to the contrary, we are doing everything we can to make sure that everyone is safe, right? It's it's engaging in that dialogue in a way that um, speaks to the policy, but also breathes life into it so that your employees and workforce are invested, right? That's yeah, great. no, I think you said it perfectly, that engagement, engagement with the employees um, and the employers, I think is is imperative, in my opinion, um, especially in this time. We, we, you know, we've, most of us have been working from home uh, for a long time, but it, as we come back together, just making sure that that engagement together so that we're all, everyone understands that we're, we are one team you know, striving for a collective goal. Right. You. It's all designed to show, not just tell employees how these measures are intended to work and why it's important culturally. Well, this is uh, this has been fantastic. I, I tell you, every time we do one of these, I, I learn more. That's the point. And uh, things that you need to think about, things that you need to plan for, and ways to go about it, because there's a lot bundled up here. Uh, including things that you just need to stop and and kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes as much as anything else. So I, I have to say, Ray and Chris, I appreciate your time today. This has been educational for me. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, very much appreciate you, you taking time out of your day to, to talk. And uh, um, thank you very much. Absolutely. Likewise. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can get this content. It will be available on um, the Carlton Fields website and the Cherry Beckert website. And we appreciate everybody's time today and look forward to future podcasts in collaboration with Cherry Beckert and Carlton Fields. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Ledgers and Law, Lessons from the Trenches with Kevin McCoy of Carlton Fields and Chris Rucks of Cherry Beckert. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields or client relationship with Cherry Beckard. Thanks for listening.